Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Trump withdraws from the Paris Accord. Is that all he wrote? Or is this another repeal and replace bait and switch? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I am going to bring you not only the libertarian perspective on this issue, but the solutions, the libertarian solution to environmentalism is sublime it's perfect it's moral and i'm going to tell you all about it but first let me tell you what the issue is or what the news of the week is on the issue it is that trump president trump uh, announced that the united states was withdrawing from the paris climate accord he uh, this is the paris climate accord it was signed in or agreed upon by obama in december of 2015 and then that it was, I guess, ratified or however you want to put it in 2016. And it was almost 200 nations got together and agreed to voluntary reduction of carbon emissions with the goal of having, uh, I think it's 2% reduction in the climate uh, of the global temperature at the end of whatever period of time at 2100 something like that but the important part of the whole agreement for me was at the time which i talked about at the time was obama people were disappointed people on the left wanted something binding and it was completely not binding there was nothing binding about it there's no enforcement mechanism nothing so the problem was that future administrations could just ignore it not do anything uh to enforce it so when Trump came out and said he was going to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord, I was like, that's great. Uh, as a libertarian, I am not a fan of global agreements anyway. But what Trump actually said was that he wanted to renegotiate it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I'm open to renegotiating. And he actually retweeted a couple of tweets uh, that that emphasized that. So he doesn't, you think he tweets a lot. He doesn't actually tweet a lot. So if you, you can easily just read his week's tweets in a few minutes and he doesn't retweet a ton of tweets. So these, it's important when he, there's always a reason behind what he's conveying on Twitter. So he retweeted Rance Priebus's tweet, which was promise kept. POTUS exits flawed Paris Accord to seek better deal for U.S. workers and economy. The White House will always put America first. Trump then also retweeted uh, a Lindsey Graham tweet. I support President Trump's desire to re-enter the Paris Accord after the agreement becomes a better deal for America and business. So what he did is, what Trump's doing here is saying, I want to redo it. I want to redo it. He uh, he actually also tweeted, my job as president is to do everything within my power to give America a level playing field. Now, 
his job, in my opinion, is to, as his oath reflected, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. I think he should pull out of the Paris Accord in defense of the Constitution. I don't like treaties unless they're absolutely essential to national defense. So you could have a defensive treaty with Canada and Mexico. But short of that, you know, anything more than that, I'm wary of. So... So this idea that he's renegotiating a deal worries me for one big reason. There really wasn't a deal there. He could have just instructed the EPA or the Department of Energy or whatever um, not to act on this. And if Congress wanted to pass laws that reflect the goals of the Paris Accord, they could have done that and get his signature or his veto either way, regardless of what he said or didn't say about the Paris Accord. And so when he talks about renegotiating, re-entering, to me, it can only be worse. It could only be a worse deal because if there's anything binding in it, if they, if other countries demand that uh, for us to lower our contribution, we have to make um, actual commitments, that's worse, in my opinion. And you could be cynical about it, really sinister, look at it sinisterly, and think of what I, which I normally do, which is why I created a, a, my first law of democracy, the contrary law of democracy, is that you will, at this point, you always get the opposite of what you're voting for, because your, your ruler's job is to shut you up. So Obama could never get a really tough climate deal because the right would beat him down relentlessly. But if you put a Republican in there who tells you, ah, this is going to be a good deal and you trust him, he can quiet down the right the way Obama quieted down the right while he the left while he dropped 20,000 bombs on Syria in 2015 and again in 2016. You don't hear anything about it because the media on the left is never going to criticize Obama for something like that, even though they would criticize a Republican for that. So to me, it's like this perverse law of democracy where you get the opposite of what you're voting for, uh, whether you know it or not. You know, so maybe even Trump wants to negotiate a good deal. But then that brings me to this fundamental problem with the Republicans and, and even Karen Handel. So here's this big race coming up. Flip the sixth. Karen Handel, John Ossoff, it's June 20th, but the voting already started. There's a big debate on WSB. Uh, it's on WSB TV. It's also on WSB radio Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. It's, uh, that's going to be f- interesting. But what Karen Handel said about the Trump-Paris thing was that we need a fair agreement that doesn't start with the assumption that American jobs should be sacrificed to the developing world. And here's the important part. In order to address the impacts of climate change, she did. She's she's implying that climate change is a real problem, that it's man-made, and that government solutions are appropriate. Now that sounds like a lot, but I think that's what she's saying. We need a fair agreement uh, that doesn't start with the assumption American jobs should be sacrificed to the developing world in order to address the impacts of climate change. So she's she wants a different assumption for a solution to climate man-made climate change. This is how the GOP is coming at this stuff, which is why they're like, let's have a new deal. Why have a new deal unless you're acknowledging man-made climate change, which I personally do not. Um, so let's, <laughs> I'm surprised that the, the 
phones didn't light up for that. Let's do 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Tell me what you think about Trump's position. And I also really want to get into the libertarian solutions here. My producer Binkley's here. He's going to read me some tweets. Binkley, how are you doing? I'm good. It's a little hotter ever since he pulled out of that climate agreement. Yes, I really feel like I, I've uh, already um, wrote my, you know, goodbyes to my children. Yeah. I feel like it's over. It's over for us all. I'm in mourning <laughs> for the planet. I want to. I want to get a, a ride on on the next SpaceX craft leaving the planet. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here! Exactly. <laughs> so what? What? Uh, what are the tweets saying? What? What we got? Alpha Six says that he really believes that there will be no redo. So he doesn't think that uh, that Trump is going to re-enter the climate. I, I mean, you, see, that's the thing. If you, I once Trump bombed Syria, I felt I felt like it's crystal clear he's just carrying on the policies. Of the predecessors. And that's what I was waiting to be sure of. If you haven't believed, you know, if you haven't come to that conclusion yet, you're just, it's just faith. It's just confidence. The confidence you have in Trump to do what, what you want. Not strictly just say, like he strictly said, I'm pulling out of the Paris Accord. Mission accomplished. He did that. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean he's detaching us from from the environmental global agenda, which to me is more likely a depopulation agenda, a totalitarianism agenda. Don't forget, the UN is a prototype for world government. That's what it is. That's what it's there for. That is what's his, the, the, the brainchild, the, uh, it's the brain trust of Alger Hiss, the convicted communist spy, was the guy who led the, the um, conference that established the UN at the end of World War II. And the goal was to create a prototype that ultimately would have force of law, the ability to tax, all that kind of stuff. That's what the UN is for. And how do you do that? You create, you break down nation states, you control land, you control people. And that's what I think a lot of this has to do with. Okay, what else you got? I got one from Corey who says that the UN already said that one nation can't renegotiate the agreement. I have heard that. Uh, uh, well, what I heard was that France and Germany and whomever like all came out and said, no, 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 sorry. It's now or never. It's this or nothing. I mean, it's classic art of the deal, right? What are they going to yeah. say? Well, we'll take anything you give us. You know, no. They're going to say, who says you can't renegotiate? Just start over. Make a new one. That looks exactly the same with a couple of changes and call it the uh, Nice Accord. You know, yeah, I mean, just, the American First. Yeah, the America First Accord. <laughs> and make it a thousand times worse, but call it the America First Accord. Call it the MAGA Accord. <laughs> and you'll, you'll get it. So uh, I think that just saying that doesn't really help. Now, do you have any other tweets that are exactly on that, on point for that, for the pullout, like whether he's going to go back in or not? Well, I have one from Marcus. He says that Trump is setting himself up to do anything that he wants because he kind of creates the presentation that he's pulling out. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't know exactly what he means by that, but for me, I feel like a lot of this is the confidence game. It's, yeah. You want to give... Trump carte blanche. He says that his mandate is to cut a better deal for America. His mandate to me is to defend the Constitution. I, I don't, you know, so I'm not sure if this is a 
it's a it's a PR thing that he presents it that way and everybody thinks that's what all Trump voters agree to. I don't know. But for me, if if you're giving him a mandate to just cut a deal in his best judgment, yeah, you that's carte blanche. I don't like that. I want if he, if what he said was I'm defending the constitution, I would know he isn't going to renegotiate it, but he didn't say that. He said he wanted to create a level playing field. So let's continue this conversation, calls, tweets, and then at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to start laying out some of the fundamentals of the libertarian solution, which is beautiful. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. about the Paris Accord, the Paris Discord, the end of the Paris Accord. If it really is the end of the Paris Accord, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I am going to Bill in Atlanta. Hi, Bill. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hope everything's good. At any rate, I uh, was talking to a buddy of mine from New York, and he was saying... I can't believe Trump pulled out a Paris deal. You know, this kind of thing is all excited about. I just asked him one question. I said, why do we need an international agreement on this? Why does the U.S. need it? In other words, we've kind of fixed a lot of our stuff. You look at pictures from the 50s. You look at the smog in the air, everything else. You know, we we fixed uh, you know the unleaded gas versus leaded gas. And uh, we cleaned up a lot of power plants. You know, cars are getting 35, 40 miles a gallon now. So we we fixed our own house. We have our own EPA that kind of looks at these things. Why do we need to be involved in an international agreement? And he just looked at me with the blankest stare. It's like when Ronald Reagan showed up for work in 1981 and asked Paul Volcker why we needed a Fed. He just fell over. But it's true. I actually love what you're saying. Absolutely adore what you're saying because it's a one-way agreement. That's why everybody's mad is that, I mean, it's not a one-way agreement. They're all like saying they're going to do it, but the, uh, the, but the premise is we're this, this is what they're saying. We're this massive, massive, massive producer. A polluter, we're the ones who have to come and bring all the goods, you know? It's like, yo, you don't need an agreement for that. Just do it if you want to do it, and don't be bound by it to other people. Right, exactly. And the idea that we don't need an entangling alliance that basically drives us to do things we don't necessarily need to do or should do. It's it's absolutely genius. I love it, Bill. And also, you bring up a point, we fixed our problems. I want to talk more about that. It's wealth, it's prosperity that leads us to have the extra resources to do things right, to do things clean. Rich people like clean stuff, big trees, you know, that's what they like. Uh, I'm going to fold into how a free society accomplishes that. And Jim wants to talk about flipping the sixth after the break at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, and I am eager to give you the libertarian solution to these environmental issues. We've been talking about that, the Paris Accord. Is Trump going to renegotiate it? Is this another repeal and replace bait and switch? I don't know, but I am interested in your feelings about uh, the environmental issue, if he should have pulled out, if he shouldn't have. I had a great call before the break uh, saying that, I think it was Bill, 
said, why are we even, why do we need an agreement to do it? Most of the work's on us anyway, and we do so much work. We, we are so responsible environmentally. I, I personally think that we're, that wealth and prosperity is what gives you enough resources to keep it clean. You know, like you go to a super fancy neighborhood, they have the biggest, nicest trees. That's a priority to them. They don't have different laws from the crappy neighborhood, <laughs> you know, down the road. They, they just spend their money on that stuff because we love that stuff. There's a whole lot, and that is a kind of fundamental libertarian idea that in free markets with uh, strict property ownership, uh, you have uh, human nature comes out, and that is part of it. Preserving the environment is something you want to do. And and what imparts this appreciation to younger generations is culture, is community, is intergenerational responsibility. And some of the policies today... There are environmental policies, a lot of policies that make this, that create this problem. But there is an underlying problem. When you tell kids to go off to school and they never come back because they meet their spouse at college, or you send them off to the service, you have wars, or even this what's called coercive engineered migration, where you blow up the economies or the physical property of another country and you, you make whole communities leave their homeland, you are disconnecting people from an appreciation of their own community, of their own uh, society. And that's that's the kind of stuff that's promoted by these globalists that under undermines any kind of natural order, natural solution. So I want to get into some of those ideas a bit, but there's such a big local issue right now is this uh, national push to flip the 6th. <laughs> the 6th District in Georgia is like this big national push. And uh, it's Ossoff versus Handel. There's supposedly, the latest polls are, there's a dead heat. Voting's already started. The big vote election day is June 20th. But it's the the entire weight of the national liberal establishment is, is descending on the 6th to get Ossoff in. So I'm happy to talk about that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Um, but I also want to talk about the Paris Accords. So whatever you want, it's a, a veritable free-for-all. I'm going to go to Jim in Atlanta. Uh, hi, Jim. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, good show. Hey, question. Um, up in this election in the 6th, uh, up in Sandy Springs, it seems so odd to me, regardless of one's uh, uh, partisan politics, that in Georgia, apparently the law allows someone to run for one of the 435 seats in the House, but not reside in the district. And I was curious whether you and your team have done any research. Does any other state allow someone to run for the House and not be a resident in that district? It seems odd to me and something that Georgia, uh, the, the, the Constitution or the laws need to address. It does seem weird. I mean, I, I believe the Constitution of the United States requires that you that you reside in the place that you represent. I think ultimately that would be such an easy uh, an easy law to get around. I mean, you just move. But I agree. I, I, the The bottom line is, though, once these people get elected, they don't. They don't live there anymore. They they live in uh, in D.C. All of a sudden, right. they're you know not even. But DC people, they're kind of internationalists. They're um, 
So I think that it wouldn't matter. It, it, another thing that I was talking about that people really came down on me for, I wasn't really taking a position, I was just kind of throwing the question out there, is it reasonable for all this foreign money to come in? I mean, foreign, like not Georgia. It's the most expensive congressional seat ever. Obviously, there's huge uh, impact on the country, on the direction of the country. What The importance of this election is that uh, the 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 dominoes would fall that the 2018 elections would get uh, would give the Democrats a lot more seats would undermine Trump's presidency it would be a referendum on Trump um, so this has symbolic meaning and but I think I actually think it's even more important to them because I feel like there has been Almost since since I moved to Atlanta uh, in 2008, there seems to me, maybe not that early ago, but over the past few years for sure, these people, there is a concerted effort to not just flip the six, it's just to flip the South. To There, there are traditions in the South, states' rights represented by... The Confederate flag. I understand that uh, that the Confederate flag has been associated with racism. I, uh, you know, I don't like that. But but states' rights is not an inherently racist concept. It's an inherently uh, American concept that the local control of government is better. And this is something I think that the South is like the last bastion of. And what these guys want to do from all around the country, the reason the South is so important is they is that they're go- they want to kind of loosen that white knuckled grip on even just the concept of states' rights, like the concept of the American experiment, the concept of li- limited government uh, that is so American. They're actually coming at it from left and right because this idea that populism is now a Republican thing that we want. Uh, Trump to go around the world and cut deals for us so that we can benefit our workers and our business. That's not an American, you know, that's not the American tradition. The American tradition is small government, limited government. Uh, free markets will result in prosperity and uh, liberty will allow you to pursue what you want. That you don't need to, once you uh, stipulate that the government should use its force for you. You're violating those fundamental rules. So I feel like they're coming in. They want to to just kind of end the American experiment by flipping the South. And that's why I think it's so important. Um, and that's why all this foreign money, I think it's like $30 million coming in. It's obviously not just about one congressional seat. Um, but Binkley here has done... You always have your finger, my producer Binkley's here, <laughs> you, you always have the your finger on the pulse of uh, the resistance. It just, I can't even say that. We were the resistance. The resistance is the, the remnants, the last uh, bastion of um, defense of the American experiment. But, okay, let's call it indivisible or whatever. It's this it's this nationwide movement that's trying to get millennials and snowflakes and stuff off the couch to to just put huge D's up everywhere. Like like it doesn't even mean anything. It's just and even this this climate thing, the GOP, half those Republicans are saying, well, you know, I understand even Karen Handel, climate change is actually obviously a problem we need to address at the government level. It's like, no, it's not. 
She didn't say those words, but that was the impression I got from what she was saying. So I don't like it. <laughs> and uh, I feel like this D versus R thing is getting more and more uh, heated and less and less meaningful. But what are they coming up with, Binkley? Um, how are they trying to flip the sixth? Well, they're helping him with more than just money across the country. For example, Indivisible Berkeley is holding phone banking parties all throughout June where they get together and use call scripts to call voters in the 6th District and pitch John Ossoff. Doesn't that just goal you? Doesn't it, it, that just... It's insane. I remember when I went... I've marched against Obamacare three times. I went to Washington, D.C. Um, even my husband went with me, my friend Deirdre. Like, we all went, and uh, we just... I I spent literally, like, four hours each trip making signs. Um, fantastic signs. I've talked about this before. There's one on my Facebook page, Tyranny Today, Revolution Tomorrow. And it's just... Uh, great artwork. It was super great. It was just, you know, I... I, I I did actually want to put blood dripping off because I made it like the American flag and my husband stopped me from the blood dripping. And people were a little freaked out by my presence there because I was all Ron Paul. But by the end, people were on my side for sure. But the but the crowd, it was hundreds of thousands of people and it was like a 4th of July party. It was like a Memorial Day party. It was like everybody was wearing their flag sweatshirts, their flag fanny packs. There were a lot of fanny packs. <laughs> but it was just middle America as if it were like on King of the Hill. You know, it was just completely uh, caricature-ish and people were super nice. I mean, it was super neat and clean. I'm telling you, I think that the field, the mall, whatever, was neater and cleaner after these people left than when they got there. <laughs> like when the garbage was overthrown, you'd see like all these like stacked up cans and everything next to the garbage. So funny. But the staffers, the the government people who were on the trains, because DC, I haven't been there many times, but it's so like manicured, it's so neat that uh, you know, it's obviously people spent a lot of money that wasn't theirs on making it perfect. But the people in the trains were uh, contemptuous of us. So they were looking at us in their their fancy suits and stuff. I was my job had been an investment banker. I went to law school and business school. Like I, I had suits. You know, I did not wear my American flag fanny pack, but I I, I recognize the professional type. But they were uh, so contemptuous. I was like, uh, I said to one of them something like, "Wow, I, I bet you don't know what you what hit you." Ah, uh, you know all these people, and she was just like. I know exactly what's hitting us, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, come on. And then there was a European tourist there with, with a couple of other people saying, what? What's going on? And I said, uh, oh, you would have had no experience with this ever in your entire life. But these are people out there protesting. These are activists who want less government. You know, they want government to spend less money. You know, you would have no idea. And that's why Obamacare was so important to me, because once you uh, made health care a government operation, it makes the entire economy more than 50 percent government. So that's why Europe can never have a, conser- a true conservative movement. That's why this populism that they're attributing to Trump is so dangerous because what they're saying is, yes, governments can have all this power and control. They just need to use it for us. So then you lose all control in the private sector. And even your conservatives are simply activists 
who are fighting for this big government power, this big government money to work for them. Instead of just saying what we were saying when we were trying to stop Obamacare, don't do it. We can handle it ourselves. And that's the difference between the American conservatism and the European conservatism that we're moving towards. I'm beginning to like give up all hope on on the American experiment if we continue to um, to have hope that the Republicans are going to save us because they're not. It's uh, They work against us half the time. I really worry about that. Alan wants to talk more about flipping the sixth. Uh, so do I. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 87 is the high today. 67 is the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Uh, We're talking about the 6th for a bit. We are also talking about the Paris Accord. So call about whatever you want. Um, Actually, call about whatever you want. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Alan in Marietta. Hi, Alan. You're on with Monica. Hi there again. Uh, I want to know your opinion on what the news media is going to say after Oslof loses. Are we going to be... Despicable Southerners, ignorant Southerners, stupid Southerners, or this is a fraud, or... I'd just like to know what's your opinion. We have to have a, a list of things up here. We're actually making bets on it. But it's so um, important I, to them. I I mean, I do not want this guy to win at all. And I mean, I have no love for Karen Handel, but I... Ossoff just represents... I uh, what I was talking about earlier was when I was in D.C. and these... The suits were all giving me drop-dead looks for fighting against Obamacare. Binkley told us that the guys in Berkeley are reading scripts and calling people in the 6th to get them to vote for Ossoff. And I feel like those people who wanted to puke on us and our little flag t-shirts against Obamacare are the same people who are calling. Like, they are, it is so important. So I really do not want him to win. I consider it a, like an invasion. I do not like it. But I, you're, you, are you confident he isn't going to win? I'm worried. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not going to win. I mean, they, as much money as they spent on Hillary and they still lost in the state of Georgia, you can spend all the money, but us hard-headed Southerners, we're going to vote our way. And honestly, if Oslof died, if I was in his district, I would be out there campaigning against him religiously. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, I, we don't elect foreigners. And I, and I consider Oslof a foreigner. And, you know, it's just, you know, he is from I'm, here. Like the old joke, you know, just from Alabama, where's your border pass? Binkley, well, you I think like that he's a foreigner pass. too? Binkley, I, I think Binkley. he serves foreign interests. His business is located in the UK, and, and that's where he spends a lot of his time. Is his mother British? Is that what his connection is there? I think she is Australian. Oh, because he does. Well, he went to London School of Economics. He's definitely an internationalist, yeah. a globalist. Like that's yeah. all. True, but I worry about the validity of the vote. I hear what you're saying, Alan, but I feel like the vote is uh, you can't necessarily trust it. But, you know, if he does win, it costs him over $90 million just to win this one little seat. I thought it was 30. Why do you say 90? Well, you got to figure the Democratic Party is spending money on him. Uh, uh, Other interests are spending. I mean, I believe it's more like $90 million. 
Well, there's a lot of value in the non-cash stuff. Like people calling, it was like Trump. He spent virtually nothing, but I think the latest estimate was like four or five billion in free advertising that he got. I mean, this stuff is where the rubber hits the road. So yes, it's a much more expensive race than the dollars and cents. But that's why I feel like I don't know. It's hard for me to to I don't trust the vote. Exactly, but I feel like uh, they're working hard, they, and I don't think they're working for nothing. Jerry, I'm going to get to after the break. He wants to talk about Obama's birth certificate. Anything goes. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.